Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. I just want to take a second to say y'all are amazing. I read your reviews and my heart lights up every single time. You are such spectacular people. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. So thank you for listening and for supporting. Also, just a quick side note, if you want some extra encouragement during your single season, or if you're in a relationship and want some extra advice or insight, I'm excited to tell you that I now offer one-on-one relationship coaching. In these sessions, we talk about your vision, both for your single and your dating life. We work on the relationship with yourself as well as your actual dating relationships. Ultimately, I'm there to be your cheerleader, be a neutral third party, and also keep you accountable. So it's a lot of fun and it is my heart to do this. If you're interested, you can go to heartofdating.com forward slash coaching to find out more. So a couple months ago, I heard a sermon here at my church in LA from a guest pastor, Jason Ballard, and he just blew me out of the water with his ability to communicate and be so convicting. I was like, I need to get this guy on Heart of Dating. And so I just went up to him after church and here we are today. So Jason Ballard is one of the hosts of the Alpha Youth Series and is also a pastor at his home church, Christian Life Assembly in Canada. He is married to his wife, Rachel, and they have three amazing children. He loves preaching about Jesus, eating chocolate chip cookies, and posting pictures of his kids on Instagram. He is also a host on the Hidden City podcast and the Youth Ministry Team podcast. Besides having an amazing Canadian accent, Jason is on the front lines at his church dealing directly with the youth and their many troubles with dating, and he's constantly providing them with advice. He knows some of our main dating issues, which is what spurred our topic of selfishness today. The reality is selfishness is destroying our relationships. This was a highly and relevant and convicting conversation, especially and even for me, y'all, if I'm being real. We talk about physical intimacy, the importance of friendship, so many things. So I really hope you enjoy and love this conversation with Jason Ballard. Jason Ballard, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is so awesome. And I just want to tell you a quick story as we begin here, because when I'm doing this podcast, I'm always kind of looking for fun, awesome, inspiring people that impact me. And so I got to tell you that when you came to Vintage, my church here in LA a few months ago and preached, you you preached a message on the Sabbath. And I was so convicted, Jason. It left me thinking like, okay, (laughs) whoa, not only did I need to hear this message, I really was in a season of just crazy busyness, but I also just loved the way you spoke and you had so much to say and the confidence and the boldness in which you spoke. I was like, okay, even though he didn't preach on anything to do with relationships, I just think this guy has something to say. So let me just find out if he does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so kind. I mean, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Like for me, Sabbath, like that message was one of those ones as I'm preaching, I'm like, oh, Ballard, you've got to listen to this because you need to slow down. You know, you're on the road, you're preaching and you're pro- I'm probably spending my Sabbath somewhere else teaching on Sabbath. And I mean, Sabbath is like a, you know, like a spiritual jargon for intentional rhythms of rest. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I do think it does have something to do with dating. Cause I think at the end of the day, all of this is about becoming healthy people, yeah. you know, and actually having the intentionality to think about the decisions we make actually affect our soul, our bodies, all these things. And those things aren't like totally interconnected. Like when your body's tired, your soul's getting tired. When your soul's tired, it shows up in your physical, you know, these aren't totally separate. And I think one of the myths is that they're all separate. And so whether it's dating and you're talking about your soul and your body or it's Sabbath and rest, I think that that deeper truth of like, man, how are you tending to your soul? by tending to your body. I think all that applies. It's so true. And when we get into relationships, oftentimes we'll just like dive all in. And so we kind of are so excited sometimes when it's going well that we forego all these other areas of rest and taking time to ourselves. Totally. And it's easy to do. And it's like, I'm guilty of it so many times, but it's like, okay. And whenever I'm coaching people or, or talking about like, okay, why do you feel so overwhelmed right now? Maybe you need to take some time for your just yourself. Maybe you need that clarity of mind and you need to practice those disciplines of silence, solitude, stillness, because that's where we really 
that anxiety comes when we're not getting that time alone with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not pouring into ourselves. And how can we pour out into someone else when we don't have that time with God on our own? Totally. And I guess if you're not actually tending to your soul and finding rest, you're going to actually go into relationships, whether it's like a friendship, a professional relationship, or a dating relationship. And you're going to need something from the other person that they can't give you. Like mm. your soul is going to be crying out for like something. And then you put on these other people around you to be this source that yeah. they can't be. But like when we enter into relationships as healthy, whole people, yeah. then all of a sudden we can actually like, we can give more, but then also we don't need of them to be something they can't be. You know, and I think that's part of finding healthy relationships. I've just seen that in my own life in my, my, my marriage, like, and as yeah. a dad, you know, when I'm, when I'm not, whether it's Sabbath rest, or it's just prayerfulness, or just even a cadence in life that is healthy, man, that's when my relationships are at their best. But when that's all deteriorating, it shows up in my relationships. And I'm not giving my kids the attention they need, my wife the attention she deserves. And then all of a sudden, when those relationships aren't good, I'm more exhausted. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> it's like a domino effect. And then you're trying to get out yeah. of the pit. You're like, wait, I can't. I'm like nothing for anyone anymore. <laughs> oh, It's true. Actually, I just was talking about this with someone the other day about like, they just have so much anxiety in relation in a relationship they're in. And I'm just like, gosh, well, have you sought that time to yourself? Have you really sought silence, solitude, stillness? Have you thought, have you really felt like you're hearing the voice of God? Have you gotten a way to feel that? Um, and, and have those moments because maybe that's why you don't, you don't feel like you have peace about the situation right now. Now, maybe you just, maybe the situation's fine. Maybe you just need that extra time for yourself with God. Um, I think oftentimes we just get lost in this endless battle of anxiety. That's a downward spiral effect. If we don't prioritize that time. Totally. So, okay. I love it. I love, we're already just diving into all of this on <laughs> um, Sabbath, but let me like tell the people who you are. So as I understand it, you work for a, Europe and Canada. I'm sure people could already hear your accent. The boot. It's cold up here <laughs> right now. I'm wearing a jacket because the heat's not working in my office. Oh my it's, gosh. it's like winter here in, I'm just outside of Vancouver yes. and it's, it's awesome. I love being from Canada and I love visiting California. So it's a good thing. And Jason, I think I told you this, but I was born in Canada, so I'm a dual citizen. <laughs> Fun fact. I didn't know that. Where were you born? Yeah, I was born outside of Toronto. So cool. all my distant relatives are Canadian. I When I go back, I just immediately pick up the accent, although I have it no, <laughs> none at all. And to another fun fact, this is funny, but my dad is all, not even an American citizen and he still has a heavy Canadian accent. So it's very close to my heart. <laughs> I only, I don't realize I have an accent until I'm in California and they say, they make fun of me. They make, I was just down there for some meetings last week and they made fun of the way I say resources, process, and out. Oh, out. It's the out, the boot. Yeah. Those sounds. (laughs) I love it. I I felt like I was being bullied actually. Everyone kept kind of like laughing. Anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Your church up in Canada in Vancouver is, it's Christian Life Assembly, right? So tell us what you do for them and just a little bit about who you are. Okay. So I took a job at this church because my wife, uh, dad was the senior pastor. And so like 12 years ago, I literally took a job at this church just to get near Rachel. And, uh, and that was the only reason. So I worked here for a few years and then I quit because we were dating and then we got married. And so I'm like, Hey, I, that's what I came for. And then, you know, eight, eight years, literally like totally true story. Like I, I had one purpose. It was like, you know, I took a job in the youth ministry or something like that as an intern making nothing just so I could, you know, end up in her world. And, uh, and then a bunch of years later, and I'd been, I'd been doing a lot of work with alpha and I still work with alpha, but I, you know, like five or six years later of not working here, I was like, man, I'd love to be part of the pastoral team again. And so I work primarily just as an associate pastor, but I oversee the work we do with high school students and young adults. And about a year ago, we launched a young adult kind of midweek service that's just been really fun and lots of people coming. And, you know, if I wasn't doing that midweek service and pastoring so many young adults, I don't feel like I have anything to say in this conversation. (laughs) But most of my pastoral time has been spent listening and hearing and learning from young adults that are trying to wrestle through what does it mean to date and do life, um, Mm -hmm. following the way of Jesus, which there's no manual for, you know? And so, and I I can reflect on my own journey, but my dating relationship is just one example. And so I've learned so much through these conversations of the last year. I love that. And that's why I was so excited to hear that. Cause I, I do think that 
sometimes, I mean, in LA, we don't have a ton of young adults ministries and it's so needed because in church cultures nowadays, the growing population of singleness is just, it's going, it's going up and up and up. So we really need to address the young adults or, you know, people in their twenties and thirties. So would you, and just on that note, would you share with us to start our conversation, maybe some of the biggest learnings or takeaways you've had just as themes as working with young adults in your church? Yeah. I think the like there's obviously so many conversations you have. I think one of the big themes that I try to encourage um, people that are kind of in that single or dating mm-hmm. season is to enjoy every stage of mm-hmm. their life right now. And I guess what I mean by that is like, I love being a dad with kids. And I love being married for 10 years. And there's unique things about this season of my life that are uniquely fun. You know, mm-hmm. I come home and there's kids at the door and they they're pumped I'm home like this is the best but there's things that like that are <laughs> that are so unique to this season I think about man when I was single I had so much more free time man when yes. I was single I could make I could serve other people way more when I was single I got way more sleep when I was single as a healthier human being all this stuff and I I guess I go in every season we're in we always idolize the season we're not in mm. and so whenever I speak to got my friends who are you know I still got buddies from high school way back that are still you know in that dating stage and I know that they idolize this idea all men I was just dating like the right girl, then I'd be happy. And then when you're dating, man, if I was just married, then I'd be happy for even, even crazy. Like if I just had kids, then I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that every season has really cool gifts, but also unique challenges. And I think that I don't wish that I was single, yeah. but I wish that, um, and what I mean by that is I I'm cherishing the season. I mean, I wouldn't give it up for anything, but I wish that I knew when I was single, what I had, mm-hmm. that that was a unique gift in that season. And so when I'm chatting with people, I'm thinking we're always so eager to, to get to the next stage in a relationship or the next stage in life. And we miss how uniquely good the season we're in can be. I'm not saying there's not challenges. I'm not saying there's not times where you feel lonely or unclear about the future. And that has its own challenges, but there are unique gifts in each season. So if you're single, enjoy being single, enjoy the gift of that. If you're getting to, if you're in the getting to know each other stage, enjoy the getting to know each other stage engagement, man, I wish I could do my engagement again. (laughs) Cause I just, I just look at engagement as like, it was just an in-between. I thought it was so dumb. I'm like, I'm just in this transition (laughs) between dating, but I didn't appreciate how special that time was. Mm -hmm. And I think we missed that. So whenever I'm sitting across from, um, some of our young adults or some friends, I'm always saying, man, I know you probably don't believe this, but you, there's unique gifts in the season you're in that you're not going to get in any other season. And so how do you cherish that and not rush through it? Yeah. And just to even like what you said earlier about Sabbath, like we have the extra time to do things like that, to do more Sabbaths, to do things for ourselves, like when we're single and dating. Um, it's so true. Like we should take advantage of the gifts of freedom and time that I say that we have in our single and dating lives. Yeah. We do. We have these gifts of freedom and time that it's not to say they fully go away when you get married, but when you do get married, it's a little different than when you have kids, it's much more different. And so totally. you can't just get up in the morning, go to Starbucks or wherever you want in the morning. Like you, you report to people, not report to people, but you have like <laughs> well, some, you have responsibilities. Yeah. Um, I think I report to my one-year-old last night when she was crying, <laughs> she didn't give me an option, you know? And so, so, yeah. like, you know what I think about also is like the other <laughs> advice that I always give is like, mm-hmm. um, you know, take advice from people who are, have dated well or are dating well. Yeah. Um, you know, what's so funny is like, I sit down with somebody and they're like, well, you know, so-and-so said this. I'm like, look at her dating life. <laughs> Do you think that she, no, that's too, that's a mean way of putting it. No, I true. guess I'd say this is like, we end up taking re- relationship advice from our friends. Like I remember when I was dating Rachel, my best buddy, Jared was, you know, source of encouragement and advice. But in all honesty, like, I mean, Jared is the worst at dating. I hope he hears this. He'll crack him up. <laughs> um, he's got no advice for, he's got a lot of advice about how I'd be a good human being. He knows me, he knows how to encourage me. But like, I think sometimes we take advice. Uh, we ask everyone for advice until we hear the answer we want. Yes. But I think we have to like consider who are the people we want advice from, because I think we're meant to date in community, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think we're meant to do these isolated relationships that no one in our life who knows us well know about. And so I think it's like, I always encourage people to date in community and then pick who you're going to get advice from. Like, look at their life, where they're going, what values they have. Because for example, if someone has a whole, whole different set of values about, um, you know, you know, emotional or physical boundaries in a relationship, or even like some people 
date for the intent of like finding like a lifelong spouse down the road. Other people are like, that's not even on their radar. Mm-hmm. You've got to ask yourself the question, what's the purpose of this for me? Yeah. And then find people that share that same core set of convictions and say, I want to go to them for advice. Because, you know, if your goal in life, like career wise is to make a million bucks, if you have a, you know, or let's put it, let's flip it. If, if your goal is to have a satisfying job, but you're going to somebody who's just money driven, they're always going to tell you to take the job that pays the most. Mm. But if you, but, but I want to find the person that says, Ballard, I know that you care about people. And so I want to find the person that says, I know that job doesn't pay as much, but you're not going to be happy. Mm. And the same thing applies in relationships. Who are the people that know what you actually value, you know, in a relationship in terms of standards, dreams for the future, and then see someone who's dated well, and say, I'm going to get their advice from them. So good. And we always have to have at least one person that knows our ugly side. I'm like, if you're going to yeah. the people that are just, because when we do seek for, um, advice just from our friends, we're like, well, they're still in the same boat as us, our other single friends. And it's not to say like all their advice is bad, but it, we can't ju- just take what they're saying because they're still figuring it out. So yeah. how do we, that's why I have this podcast. I'm like, let's start these conversations with people who have done it right or have something to say on this topic where we can seek more wisdom because I come here saying like, I don't have it all together. I don't know every single thing. I love giving people advice as best as I possibly can. But at the same time, we have to admit like, I like, we need to learn from people who are married, who have done this healthily, who, who can impart wisdom to us in a phase that can be really murky and has no rule book or guidebook at all. (laughs) And we just go to our other single friends. It's like, well, is that fully credible advice all the time? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why it's so good. You're doing this podcast because when, when you asked me to come and do it, I'm like, man, what do I have to say about this topic? (laughs) But what I, what I, the reason why I thought it was still, it was a good thing to be part of is because I think we're looking for like answers to questions. Mm. Um, and there are some answers, I guess, but there's not necessarily like uniform one size fits all yeah. like rules for dating. But if there isn't a conversation about this, then we're all just sort of scattered taking our advice from Hollywood movies. Yeah. And those those plot lines are designed to be concise for an hour and a half. They're not designed to actually emulate real life right. and how it actually feels to be left behind or how it actually feel, feels to make a mistake or have the risk and all the, it's not captured in film. And so mm-hmm. if, but where do you go to have this conversation? So I was like, man, it's just so cool. Kate, that you're facilitating a dialogue. And I bet the listeners sometimes write down um, different advice, but I bet by now there's been like conflicting advice from guests, you know what I mean? Like inevitably, (laughs) and that's okay because actually most of these things are tensions to be managed, not problems Mm -hmm. to be solved. Mm -hmm. So there's not going to be this like black and white answer, but there's going to be a tension you have to feel between like enjoying the journey, but then also like, you know, or, you know, whatever it might be like, but also making steps with conviction. Like there's these tensions, there's not black and white answers. And especially when you get to like, you know, uh, physical boundaries or you get to like, um, how do you know, you know, how much to put stock in their family or different things? Well, it's not black and white, you know what I mean? Um, so there's all these different values you got to consider, I guess. Yeah. And it's a journey of like, that's why having mentorship, people around you, community, like you said, like not dating in isolation is so important. Having people that know you, that can speak into you. Cause as you're getting some levels of different kinds of advice, like how do you reconcile those things and how do you bring it yeah. to people who really know you and know your relationship? Because while I, you know, like some relationships are like, well, if you cross physical boundaries, break up. Well, but maybe, maybe there's a way to reconcile that. Like, so some, some totally. ad- advice that is given, you have to be able to bring it to other people who are older, wiser, or just in a different season that kind of know better that you can trust, that you trust and can give you their like perspective, um, and speak truly to your heart. And so also something, Jason, that I love, I know you've talked about this before. And I think when we chatted before you said this, but in dealing with a lot of this process, what I find is so interesting is that we, we really end up like in a pit of selfishness a lot. And that's just because Mm. of the way of our culture, how it's moved, like what's kind of happened in terms of we become a consumeristic culture. There's a lot of these influences, you know, when we look at advertising or we get anything whenever we want it from Uber to, um, you know, the Postmates or different delivery services. I don't even know if you guys have Postmates up in Canada, but it's like we get anything, Netflix, you get it at your fingertips. Yeah. so how do we like reconcile? Do you see that in the people that you yeah. counsel? And how do we kind of reconcile and move through this like line of selfishness that we kind of experience? Yeah. Oh man, it's such a challenging thing. Um, because we're, yeah, I love that you mentioned like advertisement and stuff because we're yeah. told 
like over a thousand times a day. I don't know what the stats are, but it's high. Like I think it's in like the high thousands Mm -hmm. of amount of ads we see in one day. We don't even know, but it's like thousands of ads. And every single one of them says you're the hero and your like needs in this given moment should be satisfied. And so if you go on this trip, you'll be happy. If you buy these clothes, you'll be happy. If you look like this person, you'll be happy. And all of them say that actually buy this thing, do this thing, and you'll be happy. And what it does is it it, it breaks a few fundamental human laws. Mm-hmm. One, it, one is that actually what you want in a given moment isn't always what's good for you long-term. Yeah. And so still, still in the realm of just self, like you know, if you eat that cheeseburger over and over again, you might be happy for a second, but long-term you're not going to feel good. That's the obvious thing. But actually like what happens when we constantly like serve our initial needs. So if you buy everything you want, then you end up in debt or like, and then, but even deeper than that, what it does to your soul is like you end up actually constantly living in just the immediate and the best Mm -hmm. things in life and the best things in life always cost more. Mm -hmm. They always do. They always cost more. So I think what the things that have been most rewarded in my life uh, whether it's like my relationship with my wife or my, my, my kids, nothing has cost me more than those relationships when nothing's been more rewarding. And I also think about that in like things that I care for and tend to in my life or like even you building this podcast or whatever it might be, like things that are often most rewarding take a lot of work. Yeah. But every ad says like go for your initial instinct. I think the second law that it breaks about human nature is that actually we're at our best when we're serving and loving other people. Yeah. And that actually the only way to really... Um, get the most out of a relationship is for the relationship not to be about you alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think the pitch is get married or date rather not get married. It's date because that person meets your needs. Right. And eventually you're going to find that person doesn't meet all of your needs. Um, and so what happens when we begin to think, okay, man, there's something else going on here. Now, the extreme response, because I know everyone, I always, whenever I have this conversation, they go, okay, so are you telling me that I shouldn't date someone that I love or I enjoy being with? Like, of course not. Like, never. Don't, don't spend time. Like, don't date somebody that you don't. Or like, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. That's torture. the extreme response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't run the moment it costs you something. Yes. Don't run the moment it's hard because actually it's on the other side of those tough conversations. Um, and that's why I think maybe the real us never comes to the table because or the real, the real joy relationship never comes up because we're never w- willing for it to actually cost us something. Mm. Um, but that has to go two ways because sometimes in a relationship, one person is really selfless and the other person is constantly selfish. Mm. And that's not actually a relationship. That's True. something very different. Yeah. And that's why, again, like these conversations aren't rules, but tensions to be managed, you know? Um, but I do think we, we, we've walked into, we, in this current cultural moment, we approach relationships uh, with like a flawed mentality of like, what can this fundamentally do for me? Mm-hmm. And I think relationships at their core, and I don't, I just talk about dating. I just mean like life on planet earth has to be like, um, we're at our best when we are thinking of others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, Jesus talks about like, when you lose yourself, you find, you know, yourself or, or, uh, people at the back of the line are actually at the front of the line or whatever it might be. And this is kind of that upside down kingdom mentality and how that makes its way into dating. I don't know for sure. I I don't know, but I know that, um, I know that we have to wait into this conversation. What does it look like to name our selfish desires? Yeah. And where I see it the most is where it's really troubling is I see, I, I, I hang out with a lot of dudes counseling more, more guys, you know, naturally at church. And so I see guys who are like, you know, leading girls on because they want something from the relationship, but they're never willing to commit. So a good example would be, um, um, yeah, like, you know, for example, like I think about one guy in particular and, you know, he communicated to this girl, like, Hey, I don't see a future with us, but yet he keeps kind of the text thread going, the text messages going. And, you know, when he's sort of feeling like maybe some sort of emotional need, like he knows that she'll like connect with his jokes, she'll give him attention. And and actually that's, that's really deeply selfish because he's Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm not concerned about her heart and how this affects her. And, and this plays its way out in so many different ways when all of a sudden, I think that's a place where I see selfishness causing the most hurt yeah. is when we're finding ourselves saying, although I'm not willing to commit or I don't want to go long-term on this, I still want to get something from this person, even though I'm not willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And obviously you can extrapolate that out into any different context within a dating relationship. But I see that happen so often. And I realize that one of the reasons for that is because we've constantly told ourselves that it's okay just to go after your own needs and not consider how it impacts other people. Yeah. Um, and, and it just hurts. And, and I think when you date in a church community, 
and I know that not everyone in this audience is part of a church, but um, I know some are. And I would just, I would just acknowledge the fact that what ends up happening when you string a lot of people along like that yeah. is it actually sabotages the whole community mm-hmm. because because these are people like living life together, yeah. and um, and then all of a sudden like you see these same people again and again and again. There is a way to date. This is crazy. There is a way to date where <laughs> you don't where you can actually see that person again. And it's not extremely yes. awkward all the time. And that's wild, but it's really possible hey, to date, <laughs> date with honor, date, like have, have boundaries, move slow enough that actually at each stage of the relationship, you can imagine, you know what, I haven't given up too much or gone too far emotionally or spiritually or physically that we can't actually look each other in the eyes. And I can't look at what if that girl or that guy is dating somebody else, one of your good friends, like that actually happens in a church community. Think about that. Yep. Like, and you can actually say, you know, I can look at that person in the eyes and say, I didn't take something from them emotionally or physically or spiritually um, that I'm going to regret later. Yeah. Uh, and that takes like, man, selflessness and a long-term vision. And that's why when you talk about like these ads that tell you satisfy what your instant needs that meet you right now, that does not work when you're trying to date in a healthy way, whether it's in or out of the church. I just think it's just, man, that gear of selfishness is so sabotaging to healthy relationships. Yeah. We're forgetting that there needs to be a greater vision for our life. Like the first thing Mm. when I've started to do coaching with people now is I'm like, well, what is your vision for your dating life? And eventually what's a vision for your marriage? Like write those things down. We have lost this idea of vision and like having vision, writing it pen to paper. And we're Mm. just in the moment of gratifying ourself needs right now. Like I feel lonely. So let me text a guy or I feel lonely. So I'm going to do this specific thing. And it's just to self-gratify ourselves right now. And what you're talking about, I like to term this emotional love tank filling too, where, and we fall Mm. into it without even realizing it sometimes, both men and women, and I've been a victim of it and I've done it, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I don't really have a desire to be with this person, but because I'm lonely right now, or because this person's really kind to me, I'm going to tap into the attention that they're giving me and I'm going to respond to them. But I really have no, like, desire to be with this person long-term. And that really is, like you said, it's one-sided selfishness. It's, it's satisfying my gratification or a need right this moment. But the long-term vision is I don't want to be with this person. So how like Mm. we have to, like, I think you're touching on this is like, how do we best have sacrificial love and care for other people? Which is, it's really hard to do in a society that perpetuates the opposite idea, which is just like, how can you get whatever you want, however fast you want it? But how do we actually care about another person's heart? And I've said this, but another pastor said this with me before, but our goal should be to leave another person better than we found them. Truly, like how can we date to leave them better than we found them? It's not just a self-gratifying thing you're learning more about yourself, but you're also learning more about somebody else. And you want to, you're giving them tools as well by navigating hard conversations, by, um, sharing with them vulnerably or loving them vulnerably, um, when they're vulnerable. Uh, and so there's so many different things Like we are actually, we can serve people through our dating relationships. Uh, and a way to serve them too, is like, if you're not interested in the person, be clear and honest and loving. That's all you can do. Uh, and because that's like what you're, what you're mentioning about dating and community is such an issue there. If it's not said, then we start blacklisting the other person because we're so upset by the way we were treated by someone because they let us on and then didn't clearly communicate how they're really feeling. (laughs) Totally. That's so interesting. And I think that like, I love what you said, you can leave the other person better and then you can also come out the other side better Mm -hmm. and like better long-term. And so I was thinking like, uh, you know, even just like, I was trying to reflect this morning, like what, what is God's like plan for our life? And I think he's always more interested in who we're becoming. Mm. Um, and so I, I wonder, like, I wonder what it would look like for us to see each relationship that we have as like one of the ways in which God is changing us on the inside. And so it's like when you're single, when you're dating, when whatever stage you might be in, I think one of the questions you got to ask is like, what would it look like for me to let God do his good work in my life, you know, or let it do what it's meant to do. And so sometimes that means when you're, I I think for me, every relationship exposes something about me. And often when we have the selfish lens, we miss it. But I think what I've noticed is that when I was dating, uh, for example, or even as as, in my marriage or whatever it might be, even with my relationship with my kids, if I'm, if I'm listening to what God's doing in my life, I start seeing, Oh man, look at that selfish spot in my life. Or man, 
look at how easily I'm offended by these things. Yeah. Oh man, why is it that that triggered something in me? And when you're asking that question mm-hmm. and you're not just seeing um, every relationship with something that just meets some instant need, but you're saying, man, every relationship I have is one of the ways God is actively working on who I'm becoming. Then you can say, okay, God, this stings a little bit actually to become self-aware of how, uh, how easily offended I am or how sensitive I am or how needy I am. We don't have to be afraid of seeing that because like, it's like seeing a doctor. I think relationships are kind of like a good doctor. Like they help <laughs> reveal things on the inside that aren't necessarily healthy. But usually we just, as soon as we see any sign of that, we just move on and we think, oh, maybe the next relationship will be the perfect one. Like that will be the one mm-hmm. and it won't cause any of this stuff to come out. Even if the person isn't quote unquote the one, you've got an opportunity on each side of that relationship to ask the question, man, how can I become a better person through this? And that's what God's doing. Like the Holy Spirit is actively working on the hearts of each of us, making us more like him. And he's way more concerned with who we're becoming than what we do and like what's accomplished in our lives. It's all about who we're becoming. And so in that way, all of a sudden it's like dating can actually be about discipleship. And discipleship is just another way of saying, who are you becoming? We're all being discipled in some way. And it's like, man, when we become disciples of Jesus, we're trying to become less selfish, mm-hmm. uh, more patient, more kind, more loving, uh, all those things. And man, nothing like an honest relationship to expose those different areas in our life. Yes. We can't be afraid of the diagnosis that happens when we're in dating relationships. <laughs> Yeah. And if you, if you ditch the idea that there's just some magical one person out there for you, yep. then all of a sudden you can let the relationship do its work on you. Cause you might come out the other side of a relationship and it didn't work out and you did, did I miss the one? And I might just ditch that narrative of the one. It doesn't help, yes, you know, totally. because it's like, because then we start saying like, we start ignoring obvious things. Like if the person's treating you like crap or the person like isn't emotionally healthy or isn't at a place in life to handle a relationship like this. And you're thinking, but this could be the one. So I should put up with all this. Like, no, leave that behind because Mm -hmm. you can walk out the other side of a relationship and say, Hey, I learned something through that. I'm growing as a human being, man. I practice self-control and self-discipline and man, I, I, maybe I wasn't the kind of person that actually could see that relationship through but, but I don't have to stress and worry that I miss out on the one because I believe that God's got a good future for me mm-hmm. and he's more concerned with who I'm becoming than what I'm doing. And so all of a sudden you move away from this idea of there's just one magic path to actually my whole life is this journey of becoming. Yeah. Friends, okay, exciting news. So through all of my podcast conversations, meeting with pastors, speakers, and authors, the reading of every relationship book under the sun, coupled with my own 15 years of dating experience, I have realized that I am bursting at the seams with knowledge and insight. So I took everything I learned throughout my 15 years of dating experience, and I created something amazing, and I'm excited to be introducing it to you today via the Date Great course. The Date Great course is a time for you to dive into transforming your dating life. I will equip you over a five-week time span with the knowledge, tools, and insight you need to love your dating life again and find a healthy, lasting Christian relationship. In module one, we're going to talk about how singleness is not a disease. We'll discuss how we can steward this time well to cultivate holy ambition and develop disciplines that will set us up for marriage. In module two, we'll talk about what is dating anyway, and we'll go over an awareness of your real intentions and ambitions in dating. I will also give you a framework for the various stages of dating, how to navigate each one, and how to initiate different kinds of conversations. In module three, we'll talk about dating essentials. We'll talk about how to know you're dateable, what qualities do you need to have, and then what kind of qualities do you really need to look for in someone else? What kind of a list should you have? Lastly, in module four, we're going to talk about how do you know that you know as we walk through the discernment process and truly determining if you want to spend your life with someone. We will also discuss breakups and how to handle them on either side. There will also be bonus content, including the ultimate dating essentials checklist, the top secrets to initiating, the love thyself guide, and the ultimate breakup Bible study and prayer guide. I am giving Heart of Dating listeners the chance to get on a special list to have first access to this course. You can visit heartofdating.com slash date great to reserve your spot today. I have so much hope and excitement for all of you. I really don't want you to have to go through all the pain, destruction, and frustration I went through. You are ready for freedom and breakthrough and an amazing relationship. So visit heartofdating.com slash date great. And a huge part of that I would say to people is like, instead of worrying about finding the one, which I agree with you is like a a kind of destructive narrative. I think we should start worrying about our, 
what about us being the one for someone else? Like, what about working on us in this process? Like we have these lists of expectations and I always encourage people that's, that's okay. If you know some of the things you're looking for, but I'll also turn that list on yourself and make sure that you still have those things. <laughs> like, can you level up to the things that you are desiring in someone else? Oh man. Imagine if I had to live up to the lists I had in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think about even like in like work relationships, what I'm looking for in a boss, you know what I mean? And the standard I put on somebody else. I'm like, man, I've never made a list for myself like that I've put for other people. Yeah. So, and something I just want to ask you on this note of selfishness, which I love, um, is, and we've talked about this briefly before, is I think an area like we sometimes miss the mark and what we're looking for because we we're looking for things that'll make us selfishly happy or we focus on things that um, selfishly meet our needs, like we were saying. But one area that we do that as well is kind of physical boundaries and mm. being in physical attraction. So I yeah. find that sometimes we focus on this more on the other areas, such as incredible friendship with someone or a shared yeah. mission or how we connect emotionally and spiritually. Like how mm. have you, what are your thoughts on that, that area yeah. in that area? It's so interesting. Cause I think for me, I'm, we're going to celebrate 10 years of being married in uh, a few months here. And you know, what we have at 10 years, and then I think 30, 40 years down the road, what we have is really our friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are so many different seasons you go through, um, but really what sort of is left at the core is a friendship. And I think that when you're dating, I think you need to be asking the question of like, am I friends with this person? Like, do I have a friendship? You know, if I could like, you know, one of the things that I, I find I'm encouraging young guys in our young adult ministry to think about like, and some people are going to hate this. So I just realized that, you know, people are going to hate this is like, they'll have this like really, really great friendship with a girl. And they're like, yeah, but I couldn't see her in a romantic way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, they date a few people and then they still have this amazing friendship with this girl. And I'm kind of like, I, I really like, you know, you can't force it. I'm, I would never, ever imply that somebody should date or marry someone that they're not physically attracted or anything like that. But I think sometimes we've been like so skewed to look for a certain type of literally physical thing mm-hmm. in, in like, um, a future spouse or someone to date or even like a personality. And all of a sudden we've got like our friendship category, what we're looking for in friendships and something different that we're looking for in a dating relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really weird because I'll say to these dudes, like, dude, like you should really consider you've got this healthy friendship and man, 20 years down the road, that's what you're building on. Or even just as you think about the state, the date, the dating stage, engagement stage, marriage, whatever it might be, I think friendship is key. And so the reason why that connects to maybe this idea of physical boundaries is that physical physical relationships really cloud the ability to actually evaluate the health of the friendship. And what I mean by that is as soon as you go uh, to the physical space, so, you know, I'm just going to be cautious about being um, specific because I think that that misses the point here. But yeah. as soon as you get too physical, all of a sudden, like, and scientifically, you know, you probably talked to us about this before on the podcast, but like there's all sorts of like hormones and endorphins and literal like chemical things going on in your body that actually cause you to connect with somebody on a deeper level. That's what clouds your judgment. And I guess why that's important is like you can find yourself in a really physical relationship with somebody that goes on for months or even years and never actually had a real friendship. And so then what happens is when, um, whether it, you know, when the sex is no longer like hitting the spot, you know, it's not, um, it's not meeting your deep needs or whenever like that physical spark isn't there, then you ask yourself, Oh, is there anything left? And sometimes there is nothing left because you didn't build a friendship. I think what's really important is that you know that, you know, when, if, if your if your goal is to build a lifelong relationship with someone there, you're going to do ministry together. You're going to serve the world together. You're going to build a healthy family together. Like romantic spark is not a foundation big enough to build the kind of life that God wants to build on your marriage and life. But a deep friendship is God really does anoint friendships and he builds things on friendship. And so I think about, um, this idea of, um, uh, looking for a dating with friendship in mind. Mm -hmm. I think you have to have that conversation side by side with this idea of like physical boundaries, because if you can actually hold off on getting too physical, too fast, you can actually evaluate whether there's actually a friendship there. And if you do make your relationship all about physical, you might find yourself being like, I actually don't know that we have a friendship, but I'm so connected. I'm so attracted. I'm so bought into this that it clouds a vision. I've just seen it again and again and again, where people have like dated way longer than they want to date because they've built, whether it's even physical boundaries or even like codependency in an unhealthy way. Oh my gosh. Totally. That's different. 
that's different than a friendship, but they're like, man, it's a year and a half. They can't imagine being apart from each other, but they don't actually have a deep friendship. They don't laugh together and enjoy fun together. And they don't ever, and I guess the other aspect of friendship is like, you bring your real self to the table. You know, you're in a good friendship when you're actually yourself. Yeah. And that takes time to build that. But man, if we dated with friendship in mind, like deep friendship, I think it would change our perspective on these things. I love that so much because at the end of the day, we're going to be with that person hopefully for like a minimum of 50 years. So if you don't enjoy simply being around that person, then you're not going to enjoy it 50 years from now. Um, So if you're focusing on these things, if you're hyper-focusing on um, the romance, which it's really a culturally different thing, or the physical attraction, which yes, that's an important element, but it's not the basis of your relationship. Like stats say that in like when you're married, the physical sexual part of your relationship is a very small percentage of what you actually do with the person and how you live your life with that person on a daily basis. And not to say it's not an important percentage, but yeah. it's a very small percentage. So if the majority of your life is doing life with this person, having to be friends with this person, doing the dishes with this person and the laundry and taking care of the kids, like you better hope that there is something based more on just the physical with that person <laughs> because yeah. you're going to be and, sorely and lo- disappointed. Totally. And long-term uh, sexual fulfillment long-term, like years into marriage is actually going to be more built on the quality of your friendship than it is on anything else. And, and this, this might sound horrible, but I'm thinking long-term. And I know that if this is a younger audience listening to this, this podcast, they'll never imagine that they're going to be wrinkly one day, but it's coming for all of us. Every single one of us, gravity is going to run its course and you're going to be standing across from a spouse and you're not going to have that 20 year old body yourself and they're not going to have that or that 30 year old body. And so the reality is that actually physical attraction is something that's cultivated in a different way long-term. Like when you make, and so the context of marriage, I, I guess what I'm getting at, it's just kind of, it's, I obviously I'm a little bit self-conscious talking about this because I'm like, oh man, everything I'm saying is going to be played as like a sexual innuendo and people are going <laughs> to use their imagination. I don't want them to do that. No, no, no. But he, but he, but I guess my point is this, that gravity is going to have its effect on you and that quote unquote physical spark is not going to last. So what's left? What's left? And what I'm not saying is that you won't have a long-term sexually fulfilling relationship. What I'm saying is the source of a long-term emotionally, physically, spiritually fulfilling relationship is going to be a friendship. Mm. It's going to be a friendship. And I also just think about the reality of life and seasons where it's like, man, like it's just so funny the narratives we tell ourselves. Like in a movie, it's like you hear people be like, oh, well, you know, she's not super smart, but she's really good looking. I'm like, what? You don't respect her intellectually, but she's good looking. So, you know, or like, man, like you can't have a decent my, conversation with her over dinner. No, exactly. Or to her body. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or none of my friends enjoy being around her, but man, like, you know, she's, she's, you know, I'm, I'm using the, from the perspective of the guy. But like, I think what's interesting about that, I guess, is like, we, I think on some level, I know that sounds like a caricature. I think we kind of believe that. Mm. And it's like, so even going back to the idea of dating and community, we date in isolation. It's like, well, she doesn't get along with all my friends, but it's like, okay, what is that? Like, yeah. if you can't like do your relationship in the context of the friends that you love most or the family that you're part of, man, that's going to, that's going to hurt you later on. You're going to find yourself feeling isolated from your, your own community and then isolated again from that person. Um, and so all that to say is if we date with friendship in mind, it's a new way to look at different boundaries. And I think it's important that we do evaluate like our physical boundaries in order to make sure that we can actually build that friendship because it will cloud that. It will cloud your perspective. You won't be able to see who the person really is because you're actually like connected disproportionately through the physical interaction. So you're not actually evaluating it on an emotional, intellectual, or relational level. I love that. That's so good, Jason. And so as time goes on, like sometimes in our relationships, things get a little stale. Like, especially if like I, I named the stages of dating one, two, and three and whatever, it's in a different episode, but stage one is get to know someone. Stage two is like basically defining what it is. And stage three is like fully committed. You're in it to win it, right? You're like in the long haul moving towards engagement. But in that like last stage, stage three, the commitment phase, you're in it to win it. Um, sometimes what I find is like, that's the stage where people start getting really stale. So, how mm-hmm. and that's the stage I think you really need to evaluate. Do you have a solid friendship with this person? Do you because yeah. that's the life that you're going to be having with the person for the rest 
of your life if you're planning to get married once. So how do we continue? And like just life happens. And sometimes we fall into this whole pattern of like, okay, well, we just see each other every day and we hang out and for a few hours and that's it. And we don't do any, we don't have an element of fun. We don't, we're not truly connecting. Hmm. Do you have any like advice for even just as someone who's married, who I know with children and, and being a pastor and traveling that like life is chaotic. Like how do we prioritize um, still not just caring about ourselves, but also prioritizing friendship and connection and fun in the relationship still? Yeah. Okay. First, a side note, because um, in that stage, I think it's really cool how you laid that out because there (laughs) is those different stages and it's really important to sort of name the stage you're in because there's some people that are like in a dating relationship and it's like going really bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, they're hurting each other uh, emotionally. Um, they're arguing, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, but you know, we're committed, you know, and I know marriage is about commitment. So we're just going to see it through. And I'm always like, okay, listen, you're not married yet. Like, yeah. you know, don't put a commitment level on a relationship that you, like once your marriage is a covenant, you're not in a covenant when you're dating. I think that's really important. So it's like, yes. you know, cause, cause what I'm about to say could get misinterpreted. Like that whole third season where actually sometimes it does feel like there's like drab seasons or boring season. You're like, man, we don't have that same spark. If it's like, if it's a toxic relationship and that person's hurting you or like, don't, don't stick with it on the name of commitment and just seeing it through. But, but if you can look at your relationship, Hey, we have a healthy friendship. We, we, we care for each other deeply, man. Like we're not hurting each other in like a really unhealthy emotional way, but yeah, we're, there's maybe some of that spark is gone. I think that's actually a really important part of the dating relationship to sort of see what's left. Like what is the quality of our friendship mm-hmm. when that quote unquote, um, that like that spark isn't there. Mm-hmm. And I think in those moments you want to learn how to cultivate the friendship. And I think what that looks like for me as someone who's married is like, uh, taking time in our rhythms, like dedicated time to be together and so pursuing those special date nights, pursuing those different things, going on walks together, going after her heart, asking questions. Mm-hmm. But here's the interesting thing. If we're just going through life together and never do uh, deep conversations um, and actually go after important things in a relationship, it, sometimes it'll feel like, and we've noticed this like when we go on like a weekend away together, sometimes the first like hours awesome, second hours awesome. And then like three or four hours in, like we end up actually having tension because all this stuff that we haven't dealt with for a long time is starting to emerge. Like we haven't actually talked about how our lives, we've been missing each other or some of the rhythms that I've been having hasn't been making her feel loved and respected. Mm. And so all of a sudden that stuff comes out. I'm like, oh man, I did this. We did this weekend away to try to connect deeper. And now it feels like we're falling apart. And it's like, actually, that's because you haven't been investing that time and going after each other's heart and doing the Mm. deep work of relationship. And so I think it's actually like having a long-term vision and making times on the weekly and on the regular to go after each other's hearts and having the tough conversations. Because sometimes that's why it's like, man, I just wanted to go out and have fun together, which is so important, like to do those fun. But something can feel like when you've been dating for a while or in the context of like a, a marriage relationship, it can feel like when you go on those dates, that's when you get together and fight. You know what I mean? That's when you get yeah. together and disagree. And it's like, well, you got to make more time earlier on that week to have those conversations yeah. so that when you do go and have fun, it can just be fun. Um, or, and you know, you have to share each other's dreams. And so that like, you know, and, and talk through tough stuff so that you can actually have times where it's like, that's not, you know, that you can actually go beyond that and past that. Mm. And so I think that for me, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't have advice for how to like, make a dating relationship fun. I always wonder like, man, if those first months aren't fun, it's probably a good sign not to, not to be dating. But if you're in that third, you know, uh, period as you call it or, or stage phase. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, I, cause I think that's really, I said period because hockey games have three periods that might be more (laughs) a Canadian reference. Um, and so that's why I was saying in the third period, it's the final period. That's an important one. Um, this, <laughs> this is where is like, you know, the, subs- coming out. Okay. Yeah, the substance of the game is going to be defined. And I think that's yeah. really interesting. And again, I really want to be clear. Some people talk about a commitment, like, man, this is horrible. We're arguing. I'm like, man. And I guess the advice I'd give there a separate conversation is if don't ever bank on the person you're dating with changing in the future. Mm. like number one is like, man, if he is selfish now bank on him being this selfish, if not more later, because he's, you're getting the best version of him in your dating relationship. He's going to actually get so comfortable eventually, you know, when you move in together or whatever it looks like. And then the other thing is think about how he treats his mom, Mm. because that's probably, and this, no one, no one wants to hear this, but it's probably how he's going to treat you down the road. 
And because it's like, man, that's what it looks like when it gets like super comfortable and there's that commitment level and you're like, that's the real him. And so it's like, man, if it's not working and you're banking on, banking on him changing in the, in, in the future, like when I get married, maybe he'll become a better human being. Don't bank on that. Don't bank on that. So um, important. Oh my gosh. So and invest that's what you in said, it. Like cultivate the codependency it. Thing. That's what we, we, oh, are like, man. we totally become so codependent that we're like, oh, but I can help them change or I'm invested in helping them change. So it's going to be fine. And then when they don't totally. change, it like, it not only is disappointing, but it kind of destroys us because we've put too much of our identity and ourselves in that changing and it doesn't happen and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I mean, man, I just wish more people knew that sometimes the best person to build a life together with is not necessarily the hottest person in the room. Mm. And again, like, I know that the response to that is like, what are you telling me to date someone that I wouldn't find a track? Of course not. I just know that actually attraction, like if we think about how our view of attraction has been defined by the media that we consume and advertisement around us, we realize that actually what you're defining, even as physical attraction is something that's been imposed on your brain, not actually cultivated from within. You know, it's actually something that's like this, like some group of people, some group of marketers have decided what the standard of beauty would be. And you're using that as the grid to decide who you might spend the rest of your life with. And, um, yeah. And then, and what I found for my relationship with Rach, like, man, I noticed Rach she stood out in the room. I thought she was beautiful, but I also saw her as someone who was godly. You know, I know this is the cheesiest thing in the world and some of your listeners will make fun of me, but I remember like seeing her Bible so um, marked up by pen and highlighter. And I was like, I want to marry that girl because I knew that I wanted to go on lifelong mission with somebody to serve God together. And, and then, and then now the discipline for the rest of my life has been making her the object of my physical attraction. So she becomes my standard of beauty. Mm. And, and when you, you do that, you can actually cultivate long-term physical attraction from a whole different metric. And then what ends up happening is that so much of us are so much of the culture. I think I read a stat recently that 86% of a young adult males have watched porn in the last week. Mm. Those habits of consumption are so destructive. And again, that's a, like pornography is a perfect picture of selfishness. Yeah. Cause like, this is just about you in a moment and the mm. whole industry perpetuates so much, um, exploitation mm-hmm. and so much hurt and, uh, so much detrimental activity. And so that, that selfish act actually is hardwired in your brain to sabotage relationships and like, develop a selfishness in you and also a grid of looking at people where you don't see people for who they actually are. Mm. And so we actually have to do the deep work of undoing some of that stuff. I was doing a, um, a live Q and a at a college near, um, near this church. And they had a hundred guys in the room doing a Q and a panel on porn. So like, let's get the pastor to come and talk about this. And uh, somebody asked the question like, Hey, if I'm addicted to pornography, um, or if I'm actively like, you know, watch a program on a regular basis, should I of not going to a serious dating relationship or marriage. And I thought about it and I was like, I felt bad saying it because I don't want to make anyone feel guilty or mm-hmm. shameful. And it's not about being, uh, it's not about earning the right or anything like that. But I found myself deeply convinced that you shouldn't, mm-hmm. that if you're, if you're actively engaged in watching that kind of stuff, there's just no way that you're going to be able to actually treat the person that you're entering this relationship with health. Mm-hmm. and with a clear mind and with the respect they deserve. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I guess yeah. the reason why we found ourselves on that tangent is like, is just to begin to show the way that there's all these selfish habits that will actually sabotage long-term healthy relationships all the way down to the practical thing of how we view beauty and attraction. Mm-hmm. I think that, that we begin to take like all of this, like all this unhealthy stuff that's been part of our culture and around us away. What we're left with is this deep vision of like, man, I want to find somebody who I can build a life together with that's going to be built on a friendship and actually is going to be built on serving others. And the reason why I went after Rachel and why, you know, when you talk about friendship, you think about having lots in common. Rachel and I actually don't have a lot of interests in common. I think it's really important to have interests mm-hmm. in common. Like some of the best relationships I know, they have like a lot of interests in common. Rachel and I, it's been interesting uh, because we don't like, we don't love the same TV shows. We don't let's say love all the same music, but we really, we, what we share in common is the vision for our life yes. that we want to build a home that people are welcome in. We want to serve Jesus. We want to become more like him. Mm. And so what ends up happening in our relationship, we're at our worst when we're most like looking for short-term gratification yeah. because in that space, we don't have all this stuff in common, but we're at our best when we're living like 
with a vision of like eternity in mind mm-hmm. of changing people's lives. And then when we get scheming about how do we impact our neighbors or our community or our friends, then we both come alive and our friendship comes together. Oh, that's so cool. And, and that's what I'd love, I'd love to invite people into. And I, I really do, for my own young adults, I'm pastoring here at CLA at the home church, man, if some of them could begin to see past just the surface of physical attraction and say, man, who do I want to build a life with? And I'm going to date with that in mind, man, I think we'd see healthy dating relationships and healthier marriages and families. Yes. Who can I look at and find a shared mission with? Like I always say, like at the end of the day, you have to find a shared mission and vision with someone and Mm -hmm. be excited about running after that together. Jason, that is so good. Thank you for just, for all of this, for all of your time today. And um, I always end up every episode with asking everyone the same question. So you're going to get it too. And that is, what's just your final nugget of dating advice, whether it applies to what we talked about today or it's just something totally random. um, What would be like just your final nugget that you want to provide to the listeners? I guess, I guess it would be this idea that, um, I, when I, when Rach and I found out we were having our first son Hudson, I felt God begin to do something in my heart, like deep in me. Like I really began to feel like he was preparing me to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And I was really nervous. Like, do I have the stuff of a dad? Do I have the like character and raw material to be a good dad. And what I, I realized that God was doing something in me, um, to prepare me to be a dad. And I, I really believe this for every dad out there. Like God's got a grace for you. And grace is a word that gets thrown around, but it just means like gift. Mm. Um, so like, and we even talk about like spiritual gifts are talked about in the new Testament, yeah. like these gifts that God gives you to do the work of whatever he's called you to. So I actually really believe for me, that there's a grace on my life to be a dad that wasn't on my life when I wasn't a dad, you know? So like, before I was a dad, God started doing something in me to prepare me to be a dad. But as soon as like, man, I'm betting on God's Holy Spirit power at work in my life to be a good dad. And the same thing happened in my heart when I was engaged to Rachel. I began to see how God was like preparing me and working in me. And I say all of that to say this, I think there's a special grace on those who are single to be single well. So I believe if you're a dad, God's going to give you a grace to be a good dad. You got to lean into his, his strength in your life. So that's a different way of thinking, not leaning on your own strength, but leaning into him. Because a lot of people say, I can't be single well. Like I can't keep my standards or I can't be fulfilled. You no, know, I really believe for every single person, whatever stage of the relationships you're at, there's a grace on your life to do that well. And so if you're single, lean into the power of God to be single well. If you're dating, lean into the power of God to date well. And, you know, whatever stage you might be, and I really believe that's there. And so I, you know, I know that for some of the listeners, you might not be a follower of Jesus. And I would just sort of maybe encourage you that following Jesus and the way of Jesus isn't something you do on your own strength. It's something that what happens is the Holy Spirit actually fills your life to give you the strength to follow the way of Jesus. Like if you read any pages of the New Testament or anything that Jesus talked about, he talks about like loving your enemies and all this stuff that seems impossible. How, how, how can you raise such a high standard? But he says, he goes, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you to live the life that would be otherwise impossible. And so when we talk about like physical boundaries and dating or a selflessness, man, that's impossible on our own strength. But the good news of following Jesus is that it's not just that he gives us a better way of living. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. So whether whatever stage of life you're in, there's a grace for your life. Mm-hmm. I really believe that in God. That would be my final word. I love that so much. I feel like that knowing that, that there's a grace in our life to be single well can help to empower us to, even if we mess up that, we can get up and do it again and learn and grow from it. And it doesn't mean that we like, if we have one heartbreak that we can never go back to dating again, like we can be single. Well, it even ties into what we said earlier, like leaving someone better than you found them. Um, I love that, Jason. It's so, so rich. You're just amazing. Um, let us, let us know how we can, how can people connect to you if they want to like find out more about you or connect with you online? Like where do they go to connect with you if they want to? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm on Instagram. If you, you want are? to see yes. me post constant pictures of my kids, I love and it. I follow Instagram you. my kids. Yeah, uh, there's that. Um, what is it on Instagram? Jason Jason A Ballard. Yeah. Um, and then I think you know I'm really passionate about the work we're doing with Alpha. Yeah. And so Alpha is just a really healthy space to invite people into conversations about Jesus. And so check out Alpha. The work that I've been working on has been in the youth context called the Alpha Fil- Youth Youth Series. And then there's another project we did called the Alpha Film Series that churches are running. And then the young adult community that we're part of, we just finished like a 13 week series on spiritual disciplines Ooh. and, you know, te- and then we, and we built this whole booklet. That's like a 30 day challenge, um, that gives you like, a ch- like a, like activities each day to work on your spiritual and emotional health. 
and that's free online. And so the, the website's called Exploring the Disciplines. Oh, okay, um, amazing. And I think I think the link's in my Instagram handle. And there's this free PDF um, that you can download that gives you like a 30-day journey you can go on to explore disciplines and then the whole 13 weeks of teachings on there. And um, so for anyone in the, you know listening to this podcast, I think, man, as you're trying to think, how do I how do I cultivate that emotional health we started with at the beginning of this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, what we tried to do is take the best stuff. And we didn't, it's not our content. We just read the best literature on it and then try to synergize it for the yes. young adult context. And so, yeah, you could check that out. So good. Jason, you're the best. Thank you so much just for imparting all of your wisdom and your heart on this subject today. And you're so incredible. I'm so excited to see how many people are going to be blessed by this. Thanks so much for having me. You're the best, Jason. Thank you. Friends, how did you like that? Are you rethinking some of the ways maybe you have been selfish in your own relationships? I know I am. Truly, that was convicting as ever. And honestly, it's easy to fall into because our society trains us to be selfish and to only care about us. But I love that Jason said this. He said, we are truly at our best when we are serving and loving other people. The only way to really get the most out of the relationship is for it to not be about you alone. So the next time you're dating, what if you start asking yourself, instead of how can this person make me happy or how can this person meet my needs, what about flipping it and saying, how can I serve this person? How can I leave them better than I found them? How can I challenge myself to have more compassion for them? If you want to connect with Jason on Instagram, you can find him at at Jason A. Ballard. And we are also going to have the link to the 30-day journey to explore disciplines that Jason mentioned over in the show notes on heartofdating.com. So go ahead and check that out too. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.